Welcome back to Yes X or No Audio. Good morning, everybody. It's 4.30 in the morning here on the eastern seaboard of Australia. And it's Sunday, December the 17th, i.e. the end of week 50, 2023. Anti-war headlines, part one, genocide. Netanyahu says he appreciates U.S. veto of U.N. Gaza ceasefire resolution. Biden administration bypasses Congress to get more tank shells to Israel. Israel rejects international pressure for ceasefire, signals Gaza onslaught will go on for months or longer. Biden says Israel's Gaza bombing campaign is indiscriminate, vows to keep supporting it. UN General Assembly overwhelmingly votes to demand Gaza ceasefire. Israel says Gaza onslaught will continue Quote, with or without, quote, world support. Houthi official says Gaza ceasefire is only way to, quote, restore calm, end quote, in the Red Sea. US has no plans to restrict military aid to Israel, despite Biden calling Gaza bombing, quote, indiscriminate, end quote. Israel Defense Minister tells Jake Sullivan Gaza onslaught will last, quote, more than several months, end quote. Nearly half of all Israeli munitions dropped on Gaza are imprecise, quote, dumb, end quote, bombs. Hamas official signals interest in negotiating a lasting ceasefire with Israel. Moving on to East Asia slash China. China, Philippines, trade accusation over collision in South China Sea. Then West Asia slash Ukraine and Russia. Zelensky to visit Washington amid congressional negotiations on Ukraine aid. US Ukraine looking for new strategy in war on Russia. Poland's new Prime Minister vows to rally Western support for Ukraine. And then to Southwest Asia slash not genocide. U.S. Embassy in Baghdad comes under mortar fire. Netanyahu's National Security Advisor says Israel ready to act against Houthis. <laughs> Good luck with that. Israel used U.S.-supplied white phosphorus, chemical war crime, in attack on southern Lebanon. That little intercut was me on the war crime part. U.S. threatens to kill Yemen peace deal over Houthi attacks on Red Sea shipping. Houthis claim missile attack on Norwegian flagged ship in Red Sea. Houthis attack cargo ships in Red Sea, causing a fire. U.S. pushing Hezbollah to withdraw from Lebanon-Israel border. Me again, that makes no sense whatsoever. Hezbollah's political wing are a member of the Lebanese government, so they're allowed to be on the Lebanon Lebanese side of the border. Anyway, moving on, US and NATO vassals. Nearly half of US voters think Biden is spending too much on Ukraine. Zelensky arrives in US, pleads for more military aid. EU's top diplomat, destruction in Gaza may be worse than Germany in World War II. Republicans tell Zelensky no Ukraine aid until border deal. Senate passes massive $886 billion National Defense Authorization Act. 
House passes $886 billion National Defence Authorisation Act. Congress approves bill to prevent any president from leaving NATO. <laughs> Senate to return next week to work on border deal to get Ukraine aid. And lastly, Africa. The US says it plans to resume security partnership with Niger <laughs> and uh, Latin America. Remember the most interesting article from last week? Yeah, it crops up again. Guyana and Venezuela agreed not to use military force to resolve territorial dispute. <sighs> In the other voices section, we have, first up, following the same sort of categorization under genocide, all the propaganda is splattering against a solid wall of reality by Caitlin Johnson. I love the girl. Uh, and then we move on to a lovely piece of media analysis by Jonathan Cook, who rips the shit out of crap that's being published by various people, and this one I think is based on the BBC. Just West fears, quote, atrocity upsurge, end quote, while ignoring Gaza. Jonathan Cook is really good on stuff in the Middle East and very good on media analysis because he used to work for The Guardian. Learn a little bit about the inside ropes. Anyway. We have forcible transfer of Gazans is a crime against humanity by Marjorie, uh, Marjorie Cohn, who's a U.S. Uh, um, lawyer, military lawyer, I believe. Anyway, yeah, so trust what she says on these matters. And then we have UN honor U.S. shame in Gaza by Jeffrey Sachs, Sex and Sodium News, and Gaza and Confronting Power by Patrick Lawrence from Sharepost. And then we haven't heard from Ralph Nader in a while, so I was really happy to see this. Ralph Nader on Israeli government's war crimes, enabled and defended by Biden and Congress. Ralph Nader, sheer post. And then we've got, have you no decency? John Mearsheimer, take of the war in Gaza. I get really pissed about people who describe what's happening in Gaza as a war. It's not, it's a genocide. Let's put it straight down the middle. Um, new evidence that Israel is using a new uranium weapon. Oh, make that neutron bomb by John Helmer, Dances with Wolves. It's amazing what Helmer comes up with. And he's serious about this. He's not bullshitting. Right? He puts out all the evidence. There it is, in classic Helmer style. And then one more from him. Putin reveals secret talk on Gaza war. So there's other stuff going behind the scenes, says John Helmer. And then moving on to West Asia slash Ukraine and Russia, we have... Ukrainian trial demonstrates 2014 Maidan massacre was a false flag by Kit Clarenberg. Published this time at Shearpost. It's probably elsewhere in places like Greyzone. Um, and this is a really interesting one. And I'm considering following up on this because I followed up on this quite a bit way back when. But I'll throw in one thing. And that is that Russell Texas Bentley, a US citizen who went and fought for the peoples of the, what became the Donetsk People's Republic... So fighting in the Donbass for Donetsk. Uh, he, at one point in an interview with um, Regis Tremblay, s said that of the snipers who were involved in the Maidan massacre, there were two who, gave, who admitted that they'd done it um, for $5,000. I think each or combined, can't remember, probably each. 
Um, yeah, so there were basically mercenaries that were hired by somebody, I wonder who that would have been, uh, to turn what was a peaceful protest into a conflict on the streets. So this is Kit Clarenberg following up what's been happening in the uh, trial in Ukraine, uh, and he's you know labelling false flag stuff. Uh, I'm going, yeah, close, Kit. Uh, it was engineered, and by the usual bastards... Uh, and, yeah, this is based upon this statement by Russell Texas Bentley uh, from oh, it's a few years back now. Anyway, um, moving right along. Um, court ruling may free jailed Ukrainian oligarch Kolomoisky. Uh, this is from Italy News, uh, republished at uh, Italia's Pace Understanding Russia. Um, and Kolomoisky, if I recall correctly, is the oligarch who's behind Z- Zelensky. Uh, basically funded his political campaign to get elected as a, elected as a peace candidate and then decided to run a war. How about that? Uh, and then Andrei Martinov just doing his joy. Uh, Peskov's statement is the uh, headline, but it's just wonderful commentary from him on what's going on. And then uh, accepting defeat in Ukraine uh, from Bernard at Mill of Alabama is looking at how the hell they kind of wangle their way out of this one. Moving along to Southwest Asia slash not genocide... We have Andrew Bacevich, who is a pretty senior member of the, oh, what's the, uh, think tank, uh, they call themselves, whatever. One of the recent sort of think tanks they're trying to work out, it's a little bit outside of the box. Anyway, America's war for the greater Middle East continued. Uh, that's not continued in terms of the second part of an article, that's continued in terms of the greater America's greater war for the Middle East. Uh, so Andrew Bacevich, so... Um, a sort of a centrist anti-war voice is where he comes from. Uh, former, uh, he's a colonel, I think. Former colonel, anyway. Uh, and then we have U.S. and NATO vassals. First up, we have Vijay Prashad for the Tricontinental Institute for Social Research. With we fight with our eyes, we plant seeds with our hands, we will watch the wheat fill the valley. So a lovely piece of, I mean, Vijay Prashad. What can you say? Uh, and then we have Attacking Journalists as Terrorists. And this is by Craig Murray. And this is the story of the hack of his... It's a little bit to do with the Twitter account hack, but it's about detaining, being detained at borders and interrogated and stuffed around under anti-terrorism law that was passed post-9-11. And it's, uh, he documents how he's engaging with the UN Commissioner for Human Rights uh, and providing them with information about what happened to him and other people. Follow-ups. So it's just, uh, it's, he's just documenting how he's continuously being screwed around. And that's because he became an associate of WikiLeaks. And we'll listen a little later, I ramble a bit more on about this. Uh, and then we have Palestinian terror operative means anyone still alive from Bernard at Moon of Alabama again. This is a great little piece. And then another one from Patrick Lawrence, that new Hunter Biden indictment. And then the great Pepe Escobar rolls in on the BRICS SEO front with two articles. First of all, BRICS and the Resistance Axis, a convergence of goals. And this is a brilliant article. I highly recommend it. And then we have a clash of civilizations in Kazakhstan. Now, who would have thought that Kazakhstan would come up again after the combined mill intel, foreign mill intel coup attempt back, what was that, a year and a half ago now? Two years? Can't remember. Anyway, same shit. Kazakhstan really matters. It's the largest of the Central Asian uh, former Soviet socialist republics. 
it's critically important to the entire BRI project and the you know new Asian block. Without it, they're all sort of screwed. So of course that's why they're going to keep poking this. It and Afghanistan are the two obvious places, along with the other little stands. But Afghanistan and Kazakhstan are two of the great poke places for the West. And so this is just going to keep happening. Anyway, comment the commentary here from. And then there's a bunch of videos. Uh, of course, I'll finish with a bunch of stuff that's been up on Judging Freedom, because it's a great show, and he's, um, Napolitano's doing a great job. A few other little bits and pieces, though. Uh, there's one uh, from Consortium News called Watch, They Stole a Country in Full Bloom. And this is Mikko Pellet talking about the history of uh, the bullshittery against uh, Palestine and the Palestinian people. And then we have uh, the never-ending war on terror targets, freedom. This is interesting. So Bob Shear interviews uh, Kate Stonehill and Mohammed Rabani uh, based on a new film called uh, Phantom Parrot. Now, obviously, uh, sorry, Kate Stonehill is the producer or direct- director, I think, of this, and Mohammed Rabani is the subject of the film and how he was screwed around and abused and tortured and so forth for 10 years under the CIA bullshit program. So this is um, Bob Shear just doing sort of documentation, basically, in terms of a journalist. Just, all right, let's interview the people, find out what the hell the story's about. So that's what that's about, if you're interested in this sort of stuff. Then we have um, arrogance, dot, 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 more dot, dot, dots from Andre Martinov, from Reminiscence of the Future, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) And this is an interview of uh, Colonel McGregor on uh, the Mother of All talk shows. So, always good to hear what uh, Mr. McGregor, Colonel, I should say, uh, has to say. And then there's, you know, the sequence of uh, Judging Freedom uh, interviews. And that will cover the What Other People Are Saying section. This week saw released an article that I thought was so important that I, for the second time, did a complete republication. Um, and that was the article simply entitled Murder by Craig Murray. I provided uh, in the introduction to that article a description of Greg Murray's achievements and uh, why I believe, well, that's a hint as to why I believe he's worth listening to. So I'm just going to go into a little bit into that article and then a little bit into Craig Murray and why I'm going to be following up uh, on what he's been saying, uh, both declaratively and subtly uh, for some time. So the murder article is very simple. He finds an answer to the question he's been asking himself. And we've all been horrified by what's going on in Gaza, the genocide against Palestinians committed by the political leadership of the State of Israel by its armed forces, the Israeli, in quotes, defence forces, the idea. But he wants to know, why is this going on? And he, he translates that question into why the hell has no one used the legal mechanisms which are encoded in the Genocide Convention? Which is a sensible thing. Have to remember, he's an ex-diplomat. <laughs> so, this is a natural way for him to frame the question. And no one has invoked the legal mechanisms. All I have to do is let the International Court of Justice, that's the judicial arm of the UN know that there's a genocide going on. That's literally all they've got to do. <laughs> Submit a little note saying, oh, hi the way court. <laughs> Here you go. There's a genocide going on. Here. <laughs> Please consider this. Uh, and his question is, well, why the hell has no one done this? 
and it really puzzled him. Um, and there were, as I mentioned in the intro, there's two articles that he's put out. I'll grab the references to them. They're back in <laughs> Week in Review, you know, 48 and 49, I think. I'll dig them up and put them in the references below if you want to look at the sequence. But that's the question he asks himself, and it makes sense to ask that question. So he finds an answer to it, and the answer is, as he beautifully puts it, it's not because that there's any you know, uncertainty as to whether the accusation of genocide would you know, pass the legal bar in the International Court of Justice. No, that's not, that's not the problem. The problem is it would. This is a textbook case of genocide, and 60 illegal international jurists have come out and said, yep, that's what this is. We had people resign from the UN, da-da-da-da, because the, what's happening is that because the international treaties that which are about human rights, and this is the first of them after the Second World War, this is the convention upon which the whole damn shit is based. If this doesn't work, none of it will. So the failure to enact the Genocide Convention is actually a palpable failure of the international legal system itself. So it points to the rot at the core of all of it. Which is why, again, this is a very interesting question to ask. Well, why the hell isn't this happening? So the answer is, because if they do, if a nation informs, well, asks the International Court of Justice to look into this, then the answer will be, yeah, genocide happening right now, we agree. Okay, well, what does that mean? That means that the International Court of Justice will say, yep, we agree, there's genocide. And then what will happen then is that, let's remember, the International Court of Justice is a nation-to-nation state judicial body. The International Criminal Court is a different beast. It's a nation-to-person court. So that's where a nation charges a person with uh, crimes committed under these international law statutes. And we saw this after the... Uh, conflict in Bosnia Herzegovina, etc. The dismemberment of, of Yugoslavia, and it's also uh, there've been a whole lot of African leaders dragged before it too. So it's been used. The International Criminal Court has been used as a way of persecuting individuals they don't like for various reasons. That's not to say that all that wasn't just justified. Of course, it, it, it fine, but it's very much been slanted. Um, into an institution that's used by the US and its NATO partners to persecute people. And the classic example is that of um, the charge against uh, Vladimir Putin. And that was because of the relocation of a whole lot of children out of a war zone. And they're going, well, that, that amounts to you know genocide because he's moving children around. Yeah, what he's doing is taking them out of a war zone and give, <laughs> you know, giving them a decent chance in life. Um, you know, and I'll leave other people to argue what they think about that. But if that's the case, well, sure, okay, then why the hell have you need to charge Benjamin Netanyahu about killing? Not just relocating a few thousand children, killing them. So, this is the problem. If the ICJ issues a judgment that, yep, there's a genocide going on, then that means that nations can take that judgment and go to the International Criminal Court and say, right, well, what we want to do is this following. We're going to charge um, Benjamin Netanyahu with having been the political leader that instigated this genocide, and therefore he's guilty of 
crimes against humanity of the most fundamental nature, and so therefore an arrest warrant gets issued for him. And while we're at it, the rest of the Israeli war cabinet, and while we're at it, all of those who aided and abetted uh, this uh, genocide, and that would be <laughs> genocide Joe Biden <laughs> and Rishi Sunak, you know, from the UK, amongst others, right? So that's where this leads, and that's why, that's the conclusion he comes to, that is why the Genocide Convention is not being enacted because of the consequences of doing it are the issue of arrest warrants against all of these leaders, and particularly the uh, President of the United States and um, uh, Richard Sunak, the Prime Minister of Britain. So that's his conclusion, and I think he's damn right. So the question becomes, okay, who's stopping this from happening? And the answer to that would be, I would suspect, actually, it's the leaders themselves. They understand that if this is done, it brings down the entire damn system. It, it exposes the rot at the core of the political control which exists across the Anglo-American uh, empire, you know, to quote Carol quickly. This is what's hap what would happen. It exposes the rot at the core of it. I mean, we can see this anyway. If you look at this, it's obvious. Right? Everyone can see it. This is the other thing that's very strange. So you've got these, these influ <coughs> influential people that sit behind the puppet leaders, right? and they actually influence what's going on and, and the choice of policy and so forth. Um, and in this case, we, we know that that's occurring, just like in every other case, um, and therefore they control things. But in this case, it's so obvious what's going on that everybody else knows that the rot at the core of the you know Western-led you know international the rules-based international order, my mother foes, Jesus. So that's what's going on, and that is why I think this article is so important because that's where it leads. As to why I will be doing some further work on or on publishing a little bit of the work that. Uh, Craig Murray has been doing. The reason for that is that he is a member of VIPS. This is Ray McGovern's Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity. They issue an award, well actually the Sam Adams Association, which is another thing, I don't know why they made two, but anyway. They issue an award every year for integrity and intelligence. Uh, and back in 2005, Craig Murray was given this award and he sits beside a bunch of luminaries including Bill, you know, William Binney and, and um, Julian Assange and so forth. They know uh, a lot of details about the rot at the core of particularly the US political system but a lot of others as well. And there was recently an episode of Judging Freedom in which for some bizarre reason I'm, when I'm observing it I'm going what, where the hell did this come from Napolitano raises the issue of Seth Rich and this is very interesting to me because I've been following this for years and it turns out that what's happened is that in a case led by Ty Clevenger on behalf of an, a US um, plaintiff that I wasn't aware of he's managed to get the the, the federal judge to force the FBI to inform the court as to what the hell records they have based on a Freedom of Information Act request um, and the 
uh, FBI has been trying all of the legal tricks to sort of get out from this, and the, the justice has basically said to them, wait, no, you're in my court. Stop pissing around. I'm telling you, come here. And you're going you're gonna to give us details on what's going on. And all that does is expose that, actually, Seth Rich was the informant. Uh, who supplied at least some of the emails uh, to do with uh, why it was or how it was that the Clinton machine undermined the Bernie Sanders uh, campaign for the Democratic primary in 2016. So that's the sort of reason why it comes up. And at the end of the episode... um, Napolitano mentions uh, to the audience is that well I only brought this up because of uh, Ray McGovern you know like, oh okay well of course it was McGovern and the question is how the hell does McGovern know what's going on because he does and the answer to that question is because <laughs> Craig Murray told him because Craig Murray knows exactly where the, the source of those uh, the uh, DNC emails as it's known in, in WikiLeaks speak he knows exactly where they came from and he was in Washington to facilitate the delivery of them. And this explains, amongst other reasons, why it is that the powers that be have been going after him so much. And uh, the evidence of that is the fact of the the hacking of his Twitter account recently. So he comes back home to um, Scotland through the the British-UK borders, and they pull him aside and they interrogate him for just under an hour, because that's what they're allowed to do to piss people off and, you know, violate their human rights and all the rest of it. And while they're doing this, they claim all of his electronics and they image the whole damn lot of it. And then a day or so later, someone unknown goes in and motherfucks his uh, Twitter account and does, in the the process of doing so, they do a whole bunch of things that you can't do when you um, take over someone's Twitter account unless you've got access to the Twitter, um, or X as it's called now, back-end systems, and that tells you that this essentially, that what was done to his account was done by the military intelligence organisations, and who knows whether it was MI6 or MI5 or CIA or Mossad, who gives a fuck, that's who did this, we know this to be the case. So there's a whole bunch of things going on here, uh, and I'm going to put a little effort into laying that out. Anyway, so this is a summary of shit, as far as the most important things that happened this week... That's it. This article by Craig Murray. Read it, and I'll put in the links to the two others that lead to it. And uh, expect in the next, yeah, before the end of the year, a little bit more on the Seth Rich story. See ya. Welcome back to Yes, X or No Audio.